Welcome to Blue TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. And tonight I'm doing the Bastard Executioner. This was episode 108. Uh, the title was Broken Things. Uh, the director was, I might be wrong in this pronunciation, Saran, C I A R A N, Donnelly. Um, as well as the writers, we got two credits this time. We got Sutter as well as Ryan Scott. Um, which I think is a good thing because I really, really enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, a lot of times I view have negative this, a couple little tidbits that, or tweak this. I can honestly say this is one of my first complete episodes that I really enjoyed from start to finish. Uh, there was nothing I can say I really wanted to nitpick to death or was just a negative all out. Overall, the pacing was good. The plot movement was great. We got a lot more new background. I absolutely love the new information of or the revelation of Honora and what she stands for and how the priest fits into it. And they've given us so many opportunities for things um, to build for the future. And I think that is just absolutely awesome that we're going to be able to get all these really unique things and they're all going to build and come to this big revelation. And I, I'm really anticipating a really knockout into the season. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the episode, you know, kind of starts off kind of humorous a little bit, you know, uh, Brattle comes down and, you know, the old Maddox's wife is like, you know, hey, was that good? And he's like, yeah, I was, I was most pleasured. And uh, uh, that's just, you know, a little humor. Um, but, you know, it just went right through, right through and right into the scene where they're burying his friend. This is, I believe his name is Kalo. And you see his bashed in face and, you know, I was kind of surprised they didn't like kind of cover him up, but I just don't know if that was traditional or not. Um, and then oh, how about the shallow grave they're burying this guy in? I mean, probably not even a foot of dirt over the top of him once he's in there. I mean, I know he's a big fella and all and so on, but either they didn't dig a big hole or it looked like maybe there was more than one body in the hole. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but Hey, it is what it is. Um, and then it, you know, picks right up where you kind of get a timeline with a Baroness. Um, it tells you about, you know, she's struggling with the fake pregnancy and things are not going well. And uh, there's a little more humor where they're talking about this pillow and, uh, you know, making it thicker. And, uh, you know, th like I said, the opening of the show really kind of just set the tone for how things are with different characters in different places. Um, and so that everybody's ready for when it starts moving. And so I really, really did enjoy that. And then, of course, it went right to Honora. And she's talking to the priest, and this was my most fascinating part of the entire episode, in my opinion. The priest talks about how he read the uh, the the book of the Nazarene, and he's read it three times, and every time he reads it, he wants to, he feels compelled to read it again, and uh, you know the words of Jesus and how it's changed what he believes religiously wise, and just breaks it wide open, and she explains what she's fighting for, you know, and. And then she started talking about some new things I've never heard of, and um, and she talked about the descendants of the Roman soldiers that persecuted and you know crucified Jesus, and they were called the um, the Knights of Rosula. Um, now, Rosula, I I could find no history of Rosula, um, and per se, um, Rosula itself is not even a current you know, vocabulary or even a dictionary word-based uh, word, um, but it is, it has meaning in other different contexts and other different um, language, and the one thing, the two or three things I keep coming up with is that a rosula is uh, another thing for rosette or a small rose, 
Um, and these are symbols worn or decorated with religious monuments, clothing, different things of that nature. And so I'm willing to bet that maybe we'll see some kind of connection to that um, where there's a marking or a, um, a certain type of, I don't know, a pin or a, a stitching or something upon a certain type of clothes or decoration. I didn't see anything on the soldiers um, that the uh, archdiocese uh, had or anything like that that resembled what I could see as a visual of a rosette. And a rosette usually, typically when I think of a rosette, is these uh, are these circular patterns that are floral um, that are usually embarked on tombs, statues, things of importance, and everyone's different, usually resembling a different you know accord or status. Um, so you know th that's all I could get from Rosula, but uh, I do like the connection. Uh, you know that these are supposedly descendants of those soldiers, and so I'm really really interested and fascinated to see where this is going to go. Um, then she talks about how, you know, what is the priest's role, you know, I mean, and she asks him to be a warrior and rubs a scar across his forehead. I'm really waiting on this priest. I think it's Runkin, I think it's pronounced his name. Um, I'm really, 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 really licking my chops to see this guy unleash. You know, we've seen just a little bit of a sprinkle of action that he's had, but I really feel like this guy's got some skill and maybe uh, we're going to get something real soon that's going to be able to show it. You know, I don't, I don't know if that means he has to drop the cloth, you know, to go out like that. But mm, I'm hoping, you know, he's as, uh, he's as badass as old Sutter is. So, well, of course, while they're doing this, they give you this whole scenario where the Archdiocese's uh, soldiers are coming to ambush them at the cave. And uh, they come in. And, you know, you kind of realize they're not in the same cave, of course. But they come in and all these really, really creative booby traps. Um, you know, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I kind of suddenly, I knew those snakes suddenly became purpose, you know. And I, and I felt like, yep, this guy's going down with snake bites. And, of course, it was good. And the CG wasn't bad either. You know how they all came alive and started doing their thing. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, and I thought that was kind of going to be the end of it, you know, and then I get the, uh, the coup de grace of the whole, the spear and then the, the bag that has the accelerant or whatever you want to call it in it that makes the kind of the firebomb, uh, really cool effects and good practical effects. You know, I thought that was, there was a little bit of CG there, but some of it was really good, especially the soldiers coming out on fire. I thought that was really, really well done. Good job on the special effects all around. Very good. Um, you know, even to the point of the RCD is just kind of flinging water on him like he's, in, you know, he's doing his part of what he's supposed to do, but it's almost in disgust. Um, those details were good, and I, I, uh, I really appreciated this whole little scenario, and I thought that was good. Um, the only thing I have question about is, is that, you know, where did the, where did the boy come from? You know, follow the priest and he'll be with the boy. I, don't, I didn't understand where that came from. Maybe I missed something. If you know, send me a send me a, a message or something. I, I kind of watched it twice, and I just don't see where that comes into play or where that fruition came. And you know, y'all can always reach me at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter as well as Bleed TV Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, we have a Facebook page, and I love to talk to y'all there. Um, so we shift gears and we head back to the Baroness, and she's at the table, and she's dealing with um, these soldiers that have come in that are seeking additional night support, you know, uh, soldiers, the whole nine yards, and it's discussing, you know, Edward II and his right-hand man, uh, Pierce Galveston, and, you know, old Galveston here has led Edward astray, and things have crippled, and so there's a large bounty on his head, and, um, 
and the Baroness does a real smart play, uh, but it's risky. That you know, basically, I, I get to have my, I get to can retain my power and a seat at the table if I'm able to bring this guy to you, as well as get the healthy reward. Uh, bold, um, but necessary. I like it. Uh, the Chamberlain looked like he was soaking it up like a dry sponge. I thought that was good, and this leads us in another direction. Um, that I think it's going to be good. We got some more scenario, more scenery. You know, I, I like the parts where we travel away from the Shire. And we see different surroundings and so on. The cabin is becoming a little bit of a, a main, I'm not the cabin, I apologize. The castle and the surroundings have kind of been like the key of every episode. And we have some of our best scenes and best things that are happening that I really enjoy when we're away from that. I mean, the scenes when they're by the shore and the cave and when they're out into the areas fighting rebels in the woods, these scenes seem to have a little more dramatic feel and flair and seem really authentic. And so anytime we're away from the castle, I really enjoy that. Um, so, of course, we get back, and they, you meet, um, Honora and Sutter's character, the dark mute, or whatever, which is really not mute, so, um, he decides to, um, show himself to, um, Brattle, and, um, as well as Marshall, um, uh, you know, his true look, you know, he removes his cloak, his cloak or, you know, his hood and you see the burns. And this has another one of those funny lines in the show like that. And he goes, you know, what caused the burns? And Nora just looks at him and goes, fire, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was just kind of like, okay, all right. That was a good little slap right there, you know, but then she, of course, she follows it up with good stuff, you know, fire from the one she, you know, he served and he betrayed and that kind of stuff. So, but, you know, good humor. It was a good sprinkle in there. And I don't know if that's Sutter or if that's Ryan Scott or a mixture, uh, but I enjoyed it. They had good, subtle humor, you know, in a couple little parts throughout here. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, of course, they they show you the vision of Brattle. Um, and you immediately pick up this is him as a young uh, a baby. And that he's um, being baptized in this water. But instead of uh, allowing him to come up for air, they're kind of trying to drown him. And... Of course, you see a un unface, you know, no ne no head, no face soldier pull a dagger and stab this person in the back, you know. And of course, the the soldier had the Templar outfit that we've discussed before, uh, Templar armor, whatever you want to call it. And so you immediately derive this is Sutter's character, and that that you can see the age difference now that Sutter and Nora in comparison to Brattle, you know, and so we're talking about if he's, let's just say, on the young side, 27, you know, I, I, that's a fair estimate in my mind, you know, we're talking, that's 20, so they're well into their mid-50s, maybe 60s, I mean, Brattle could be over 30 years old, and, you know, you just don't know, but if you want to go that route, we're talking these people are somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 years old, and uh, so Sutter's character can still wield a sword pretty well. For a guy who maybe who's pushing 60 or is 60. And so I think that is, uh, I, I really enjoy that we get those timelines and we get that comparison. So we know where we are in comparison to each character. Uh, and so that, that that's something good. And But what does this mean? Why was he trying to be drowned as a, a baby? What was the purpose? What was the intention? Why, why were we shown this? And these are those tidbits that I'm trying to keep notes on and understand and go, where does this lead us? You know, and can you predict what it's going to try to tell you? And that's, that's, uh, that's licking my chops, and I'm really enjoying that. So about this time, we, we get the whiff that there's rebels 
that are about to ambush this little group. Um, and of course, Sutter's character pulls out this really cool curved throwing knife and throws it, I would say, a good 30 yards, you know, over 100 feet. Hits this man right in the throat region, taking him down. Um, this is an impressive throw. Uh, not what I would call the most realistic, probably. And if it did stick into him, I wouldn't know that it would cause that much damage for him to fall and look like he immediately died. But this is one of those scenes where the effect was worth whether or not this scene was probable, if that makes sense. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I was just happy to see Sutter really get some action and see some things happen with that. And then Marshall's shot with the bow and arrow. Impressive. Realistic looking. Well done. You know, um, I enjoyed that part. And, of course, then you have the, the battle scene, the battle and Marshall and so on. And something else I really appreciated this time. If you noticed, I mean, they hood the ground, but, you know, typically a soldier on the ground facing horseback riders is at a major disadvantage. And it didn't go the stereotypical of cutting the horses down or doing like that. They just, they defended themselves, waited for these rebels to dismount, and then dispatched them one by one slowly in a more, in a very authentic, you know, battle scene that, you know, was very believable, very well done. Um, it wasn't like quick, I'm super bad, you're super awful, you know, there was actually a good struggle, fight opportunities where they actually had advantages but the other guy helped out and these are things that make it realistic believable and enjoyable to my mind um, even so much so when he tells them to take her to the cave and they defend her even you know Brattle loses the sword part of it but has to attack him physically and kill that way and Marshall has to help his way and those things were good it shows there is vulnerability they're not super superior um, the only thing I was disappointed was is that we see Sutter take this knee as he's surrounded by what I can count as six to eight men. And then all of a sudden you come back to a scene and he's covered in a little bit of blood, but then you have this little flash of menorah. And it makes you think that you're about to come out here and see Sutter's character's dead. And I was like, no. Nope, he's still taking a knee. He's still got some blood on him. And all these jokers are dispatched right where basically they dismantled their horse. Um, man, I wish they had shown something here where you could see, you know, what really happened. You know, and I read a lot of reviews and I read, I had some feedback here and there about things. And, you know, some people were saying, well, this means that, you know, there's more to him than what you can see. And that maybe he's mystical and that maybe it wasn't just because of his sword play, but there's more to play with what he can do, what kind of character he is. And uh, that's how he can handle himself so well. Um and so that's also interesting, is, that, is there more to him considering the situation, you know? And then shortly after, you know, he looks at it, you know, they walk over and he starts talking. He's like, bury him in the sand, you know? And they're like, well, I thought he had no tongue. Well, does, maybe he doesn't, but all of a sudden he can talk. Maybe, maybe there is mystical. Maybe there's more to this guy we don't know, and they're just slowly peeling back the layers of the onion and making it that much more tasting and tasty. And so... Another part, like I said, this episode really, really, really makes you salivate for the future of where the show's going. Um, so, right after all this, we realize that, that you know, uh, the Chamberlain is going to play his game. Corbett, uh, he thinks he has another angle of where Galveston might be. And he convinces, tells the twins of different things and... and so on, and when you know it, they are going to go warning, they have provisions, and the trap is set, and voila, they snatch them up. Um, and then they take them down to 
the Punisher's lair and tell you know his head knight, go ahead and punish him. The Punisher won't be here. You go ahead and do your thing. And I was like, oh, wow. And then this part where they're like, which girl? Woof. Let me tell you, I did not expect this part coming up. Where he grabs one and sticks his hand under the dress and talks about she's still tight. And then all of a sudden goes the other one and says she, she drips like wet, you know, wet clay. And I was like, wow, wow, this is, woo, that, I mean, it's, that's, uh, that's cold and a bold statement to say on television. Um, and I, I wasn't expecting it, but wow, they, they went for that line, they blurred it and they, and they, they hit it, you know? And so I thought that was pretty neat. Um, so then they cut away. Um, you know, they don't go right into this torture, which was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, they cut away to, to talk, you know, show the more walking in on Aiden, this, you know, the scribe there, uh, okay. practicing his religion. And, um, he, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I do not know what, I didn't catch what kind of religion he was practicing, what he was doing, what was that, was it, was it Muslim, was it the same thing as the Moor, was it this and that or so on, and so I, I don't know, um, I didn't pay much attention to it, I don't, I don't see the huge significance, I think it's more of just an opening up of these people have uh, something in common, and you know, that way their relationships improves. I don't know if the religious part is so much what's important to that is more or less, you know, like I said, their relationship improving and maybe treating them different, which of course you see later, it gives them the hourglass, not the hourglass, but the, the magnifying stone. And I thought that was, you know, it's just showing their relationships changing and maybe that's going to blossom into something more that becomes important later. But then we get back to the twins and we see the gruesomeness of, they have stripped the twin. They've put her in this metal contraption. They have weights on her ankles. And this torture device, um, a lot of people are going to call what's, call it a Judas Cradle. Now, unfortunately, that's this is a version of a Judas Cradle. It's not an actual Judas Cradle. The reason it's not, a Judas Cradle is typically a pyramided shape um, device you were set on. This one, considering it's an elongated triangular piece, um, and the position that she was put on with the weights, it's actually called a, what's a, a Spanish donkey, um, which was a type of torture device that was derived during the Spanish Inquisition uh, in the late Middle Ages, um, with the same with the same premise, and it was typically saved for soldiers who had done wrong, murderous, different things of that nature, not typically for females or anything else, but it was used all throughout Europe and different things. Um, something else that was really <laughs> not really good about it, that it was really more of a torture device that was to have a very long, painful death. Um, you were good as long as you could maintain your muscle strength to keep your cheeks tight uh, to prevent the damage from happening, but the weights on the ankle eventually led to the, you know, basically ver vertical impaling, you know, um, of the person, and then they died from um, blood loss, infection, you know, different things of that nature. Um, this device was typically never cleaned to help assist in infection and death. 
Uh, none of these things were ever meant to survive. Um, so very uh, eye-opening uh, when I was doing my research about this specific device. Um, something unique about it, this type was typically made of wood. Um, in the uh, executioner, it was made of metal um, that I could tell. Um, that or it was just a really dysfunctional, nasty-looking one that you couldn't tell the difference, but it looked like a steel one to me. Um, but nevermore, it was still uh, absolutely very brutal. <laughs> very, very brutal. Um, so... Long story short, the the plan is to, okay, we know where Galveston is. Uh, we need the Punisher. Um, let's set it up. Um, there's some discord between the Chamberlain and his head knight. Um, he's realizing it, so on, so on. Um, and then they make the plan. We're going to go to the marshes. We're going to get this guy, and we're going to retrieve our bounty and get her place at the table. Um before he leaves, of course, he gets the note from the Baroness after many warnings from his her lady, as well as the Chamberlain. You know, their time and affection is being noticed. It could be considered scandalous. And they go down to the tomb. And, you know, I'm thinking the whole time, you know, are we going to get a little Marvin Gaye music in the background? Are we going to get something going on here? Um, and, of course, he's getting closer and closer, and at least a little bit kissing. And then Buzzkill, oh, my Lord, okay, uh... His his Max's wife rolls up in there, and how she finds them down in this tomb, I have yet to understand. But I guess it's necessary, and you know, calls the you know a royal whore, and and uh, you know they have to separate her. And then when she falls, her clothes are and you realize all the scars and wounds and the damage to her from her past, and you know, and you you feel sorry for her, but you still realize she's still cuckoo for cocoa puffs and. Um, you know, and it, it's just, you know, I was kind of hoping that we might get a little, uh, bridal Baroness Lady Love, you know, a little action here. It's been overdue. We're eight, we're eight episodes in and, uh, nothing. It was, gosh, just a buzzkill. Um, anyway, they take her back and, the, you know, the priest's going to help take care of her. Lady Love's little assistant girl's going to help take care of it. And the priest's going to take care of the boy. And of course, then you get this realization, boom, there's the boy. And there's is going to be how this is going to go. And I'm immediately predicting the boy is going to be in danger, get kidnapped, killed, or something. I'm hoping not killed, but this is going to be the problem that occurs. And either before or after he leaves, and, geez, does he leave knowing, or is it going to happen while he's gone? And they set it up really, really, you know, well, but it was easy to predict. Um, but man, does it set it up for the next episode? You don't know what's going to happen here. It's going to cause Brattle to get right into the mix of these things and become a part of this religious feud that is going on in the background. Um, maybe now we're going to get to see the priest really get, you know, getting neck deep into some violence, some different things going on. And so that's going to be exciting to see. Um, cause you know, you, you watch the preview. If you don't want to hear about the preview, this would be a good time to cut away. Um, you see, you know, the priest is pursuing the boy and then gets surrounded by soldiers and different things. And you see the the issues of them traveling and they find Galveston and then, you know, and then they talk about, you know, then you see the Baroness make the threat to the, the wife of, you speak of this, I'll have you put to death. And, you know, so now it's getting gritty and it's getting good, you know, and, uh, and I, I like that, you know. And then there was one little part at the end of the episode, too, that it was hilarious. I thought it was good stuff. Like I said, this episode was really good from start to finish. 
um, you know, when he was down there talking to the Baroness, well, they had their little kissing scene, you know, she reveals that she's not pregnant. And his little comic line is, is, you know, you do the shire no good if you give by giving birth to a pillow. And I was chuckling. I thought this was another good little key writing point with some good humor. And so right now, I'm really digging Ryan Scott as an addition. If this is what led to some of this pacing and humor and so on, um, you know, it's an, a little added effect. And everything, like I said, had really good timing. Really enjoyed this episode. And I'm really now really, really looking forward to 9 and 10. Um, we should really get the, the dark side of things this next episode and number 10 hopefully we'll have some really good revelations and set us up for something that's going to make us really thirsty for next season and I'm really hoping the show renews for next season for FX and uh, I can't wait. But guys, again, if you got a few minutes to give us a positive review, I really appreciate it. My brother and I, you know, I hadn't been able to get him on here. We have some scheduling conflicts and things. Um, but we've hit some new milestones in the last couple of weeks with our show. We've really hit some really good numbers. We're planning on some new things coming up front. And it's all because of all these positive comments, feedbacks that we're getting from a lot of people. And we really, really appreciate it. And if you hadn't had a chance or you do have just a minute, if you can hit us up on iTunes just to kind of hit us up with a positive feedback, every one of those really, really helps us. Um, and it's much, much appreciated. And like I said, please hit us up with some feedback when you get a chance. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, we're on um, our own. We have our Gmail. We actually have our own, our own website, you know, bleedtv at podbean.com. I'm sorry, bleedtv.podbean.com. Um, and so any of those things, you can hit us up. Don't be afraid. You know, if you're on Facebook, I might even try to friend you. So really looking forward to the future. And if there's anything else we can do for you guys or request, just let us know. But other than that, guys, this was a great episode. And I'm really enjoying uh, the, the Baxter Executioner. And, and until next week, uh, this is Bleed TV. And I'm Zach. We'll see you. Bye.